Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Good to be with you on day 428 of our three-year journey through God's Word. We come to 2 Samuel 12, and yesterday we were really focusing on the sin of David, how he got into that sin and how costly that sin was, uh, what what disastrous consequences it had for him and for his family and for his kingdom. Today we're going to see David confronted by the prophet Nathan, and we're going to see David's repentance and forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is true and altogether right and so beneficial to us. Father, would you please write your word on our hearts and help us to follow after you. As we hear again about David and his sin with Bathsheba, we see him confronted today by the prophet Nathan and hear him confess his sin. May we be moved to confess quickly sin in our lives and to seek you for forgiveness and to seek to make restoration. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 12. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. He used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he has done this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your hands, and I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah, and if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord? to do what is evil in his sight. You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. 
And the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. David therefore sought God on behalf of the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, The child is dead? He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went to his own house. And when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her, and she bore a son. And he called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved him and sent a message by Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah. Because of the Lord. Now Joab fought against Rabbah of the Ammonites and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah. Moreover, I have taken the city of waters. Now then, gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called by my name. So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah and fought against it and took it. And he took the crown of their king from his head. The weight of it was a talent of gold, and in it was a precious stone, and it was placed on David's head. And he brought out the spoil of the city a very great amount. And he brought out the people who were in it and set them to labor with saws and iron picks and iron axes and made them toil at the brick kilns. And thus he did to all the cities of the Ammonites. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. What's interesting about this passage, these two chapters, 11 and 12, are obviously one episode in David's life. And they're actually open and close with this war against the Ammonites. David didn't go out to fight in this war. Joab took the army out and fought this war. And David remained behind with Bathsheba. Now it's a year plus later, maybe about a year later. And Joab is fighting against Rabbah of the Ammonites and he takes the royal city and then David is brought out to actually finish the conquest and take the crown of the Ammonites. This is the defeat of the Ammonites who had been a longtime enemy of God's people. That provides the, the opening and the closing. So all of this adultery with Bathsheba and confrontation by Nathan the prophet and the death of his son by Bathsheba, all of this happens while this war is going on and Joab is fighting this war against the Ammonites. Uh, 
So the Lord sends Nathan to confront David. I kind of said yesterday how I'm not sure why David thought he'd be able to keep this a secret. Even a keen observer would kind of know what was going on. And certainly there were servants in David's household who knew what was going on. Someone told him who the woman was and someone sent for Bathsheba and had her come over and servants will talk and word will spread. So I don't know why David was so foolish as to think he could keep it a secret, except that sin makes us foolish. It makes us insane to think we can hide. I mean, think about it. If we think we can hide from Almighty God, who sees everything and knows everything and is everywhere, of course we think we're going to get away with it and be able to hide it from people. But the Lord sends Nathan, the prophet, to confront David. And Nathan tells David this parable about these two men, the rich man and the poor man, and this touching little parable about this little lamb. And David's done something so much worse. I mean, David was so deep in his sin, so blinded by his arrogance, so complacent in his entitlement that that he hears this whole story and doesn't realize he's done something far worse until Nathan says those four words, you are the man. You are the man. And then David is struck to the core. Nathan says, from God a message, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king. I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives. I gave you the house of Israel and the house of Judah, and I would have added much more. David was not thankful or content with what God had given him. He was instead entitled, puffed up with pride, complacent and lazy, and so he was ripe for this sin. But when he's confronted by Nathan the prophet, at this point now, David doesn't make any excuses. David says quite plainly in verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Now I want us to see a couple of things here. First of all, even though there's this great, horrible, premeditated, evil, awful sin that David has done, he neglected to be where he should be, he neglected to do what he should do, He let his eyes wander and fixate on a woman who was not his wife. He asked who she was, and when he found out she was another man's wife, he sent and took her and slept with her anyway. When he found out that she was pregnant, he tried to arrange for the husband to come home to sort of cover up his sin. When Uriah shows himself to be much more honorable than David, David has Uriah killed. And not only Uriah, but others of his servants are killed in David's arranging the death of this man all in an attempt to cover up his sin. And then he takes Bathsheba into his home, pretends the baby is theirs from, from natural uh, marital relations after they were married. He's, he's just so, it's horrible. It's, a, it's an extended, long, premeditated, plotted sin of huge magnitude. Still, when David confesses in verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan says to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. 
David deserves to die. David himself said in his response to the story about the man with the lambs that as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And David did so much worse. David deserved to die. But he was not going to die because Jesus died in his place. That's why forgiveness is possible. David deserved to die and God is just and holy and God doesn't just wink, wink, nod, nod, sweep it under the rug, let's pretend it didn't happen. The reason why David didn't die is because Jesus died. So that's the first thing I want us to see is no sin is so great, so grave, that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse us from it, that the death of Jesus cannot rescue us from the consequences of it. Sin can be forgiven in Christ. And so if you're carrying around a weight of sin, a guilt of sin, maybe you think it's too terrible, maybe you think it's unspeakable, confess it. Confess it and be forgiven of it. But there's a second point we need to see in this passage as well. And that is, even though David is forgiven for his sin, he does not escape the consequences that his sin brings into his life. We need to distinguish very clearly between the just punishment we deserve from God for our sin and the natural consequences we suffer from a result of our sin. If you lie you're going to lose someone's trust. That's a natural consequence. But also, that sin of lying deserves death and eternal condemnation in hell. If you steal and you get caught, you might have to pay a fine, make restitution, or go to jail. Those are all natural earthly consequences. But also, that sin of stealing brings the wrath of God upon you and you deserve to die and be punished eternally. There's both temporal consequences for sin and eternal judgment against sin. And David here is still going to suffer. Even though the Lord has put away his sin, Nathan doesn't say, oh, forget all that stuff about the sword never departing from your house. God's just going to forget about all that. You'll be okay. You'll be fine. No, he's not going to be. This prophecy will be fulfilled in Absalom rising up and overthrowing David after he kills uh, Amnon, who had raped Tamar. That's all coming up later in David's story, but this prophecy will still be fulfilled. David will still have to face the consequences of his actions, and also he'll still have to face the, the judgment of God that he has as a consequence of losing the child. So sin has real consequences, and God's grace forgives and cleanses so that we are not eternally punished for our sin, but God in his wisdom in his love even, has us suffer earthly consequences, sometimes very heavy earthly consequences, so that we will learn how vile and how costly our sin is, and we will have a grave distaste for it. So we should avoid sin. We should run from sin. We should flee to Christ when we do sin, to be cleansed of our sin and forgiven in the eyes of God, we should also be ready to accept the consequences, knowing that we deserve so much worse than what we get. Jesus has taken the eternal wrath of God upon himself on the cross. And so, even though there may be temporary consequences, we are freed from the eternal death that we deserve. And we can praise God for that. Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, thank you so much for loving us with a love that is strong and faithful. You are the unfailing God and our Father who never leaves us and who ever loves us. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior, who has taken our sins upon himself, who has borne the penalty we deserve for our sin. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for our salvation. Please cleanse us, renew us by your grace, by your Holy Spirit, applying to us the benefits of the redemption of Christ. Renew us in Christ day by day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for walking with Jesus through the word one chapter at a time. We're going to be moving on to another book of the Bible tomorrow. So tomorrow we're going to actually be in the Psalms, Psalm 62, 63, and 64, and then Proverbs 14 on Monday. And then we'll do, um, actually we won't get to Acts until when? Sorry, looking at the schedule here, trying to tell you what's coming up tomorrow. We're going to start Acts later this week (laughs) on March 9th. So what's coming up next is Psalms, Proverbs, and then a couple more chapters in Samuel, and then we'll go to Acts 1 on March 9th, on, uh, coming up in a few days. So have a blessed day in the Lord.